Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at thedistrict.church. All right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 14 through 23 today. And if you're new with us, we're in a series right now uh, in the book of Ruth, and we've been in it for a few weeks now. And uh, where we're kind of at in this story is there was a time where Ruth and her husband, or actually Naomi and her husband Elimelech, were in Bethlehem, were in uh, the house of bread, but God brought famine to Bethlehem. Uh, so essentially, Costco ran out of food. Just kind of think that kind of mindset. Costco ran God brought a famine there because of the disobedience of the people. And uh, Elimelech saw an opportunity in a distant country called Moab. And so instead of listening, repenting, and coming back to the Lord, he ended up moving his family to a different country, to Moab, where we saw in Deuteronomy, you're not supposed to do. God did not want his people inter, inter, uh, intersecting and engaging with the Moabites. And so they end up moving their family there with their two sons, Malon and Kilion. Life, what the finding, we see that Elimelech died. And then two sons take two Moabites, again, something that they weren't supposed to do. And their sons, Malon and Kilion, even though they're strong sounding names, dying. And so they ended up in a ended up finding sickness and death because again, they were, they were away from God's presence, away from God's people. And so they end up being in, in uh, Moab, finding death and sick and dying. And so then Malon and Kilion die. And what's left is Ruth and Orpah. And so Naomi, as she's in Moab, actually hears about God has revisited his people in Bethlehem. Harvest has come back, and so she ends up wanting to go back to Bethlehem, and she encourages her daughter to go back to their people, go back to their mothers and fathers, and to go back to their evangelistic message from Naomi. Uh, but rather, what we see is she commits herself to Naomi. Way of life. To do is I want to follow you, myself to you. Or this transformation story of Ruth, where she then follows Naomi and basically says, "Where your people, people, your Bethlehem." And when they come into Bethlehem, Ruth has an active faith. Now it's not just a passive faith where they've come from famine, they've come from not having a impoverished she and her her looks and she's not just sitting around saying lord i'm just waiting for you to provide rather it's an act is i will know that you have not left me i know you are will provide and so i'm going to go and find your provision i'm going to go and find favor she begins to glean in the fields and this is what we talked about uh, last the week before was this idea to glean. And what it means to glean is actually a command that the Lord gave to his, his, his righteous people that 
who are wealthy and those who have companies. Now for the in their region to be able to come to the and glean from the margins, to be able to literally eat into profits of those who are kind of the heart of generosity from the Lord coming to his people for them to be those who don't have anything. And so Ruth goes to these fields, and, it, and I love how she just happens to come into the field of Boaz, which Boaz means strong man. Boaz is also a distant relative of Elimelech, which was Naomi's husband who died. Elimelech, he might have of obligation to weeks see him being a kinsman redeemer is is as they're coming into is coming to glean Boaz takes notice of Ruth and so he inquire about who he is and so think of kind of one of his foremen one of the guys who all of his employees comes to him and shares with him the story of Ruth for the fact that she is a Moabite, that she comes from uh, wrong religion, wrong people, wrong story, wrong God, wrong everything, but she has committed herself to Naomi, and she's also committed herself to the God of Israel. And so he begins to see that this is worthy, and who is admirable, and who is uh, work and glean in order to not only provide for herself, but provide for her widowed mother. Um, and so, so he begins to see her, and he begins to see a godly woman. And so therefore, he, with generosity and, and the generous heart of God, wants to provide for her in ways that, that only really God can provide. Pick it up here, and what I want you to see here today is, is really kind of two types. So you're Boaz as a type of Christ, and you're going to see it as a type of bride. And so if you, and, and again, this is pictured throughout all where Jesus is the bride and Ruth is the bride. Things play out today is this, this beginning introduction come together and you begin to see Boaz provide. Now they're not married yet, but we're going to see coming scriptures. Dating relationship essentially begins to happen. And, and what I really want you to see today is that meals, meals matter. Because that we'll see. And so we're going to start in verse 14. And we have a new system. We've had some issues with our headsets uh, in the past with frequencies and them just being old and us being a broke church plant, but we uh, sold some stuff this week and, and we're able to purchase a new headset mic, and so again, they're just going to be playing with it, so give us some grace in that area. It might go up and down, it might yell at you, who knows, we'll see what happens, but just try to focus as much as possible to the Word of God and we'll let it fill us up this morning. In verse 14, and as I read through this, I'm going to pause and break and just kind of uh, explain it as we go, again, just kind of reading it from a narrative. Verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So mealtime, for the Boaz is, we saw last week, uh, the reapers were the ones 
Uh, they were employees in his company, and he knows that in order for workers to be good at what they do, they need to have strength and vitality, and they need to be full and satisfied. Led his women within his to have a mealtime every single day where they would gather in order to be able to go out and work well. So at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in wine. So again, this is while Ruth is gleaning, and as she gleaned uh, last week, as she's gleaning, it comes about midday mealtime, and Boaz, again, taking notice of her, invites her to this meal invites her to this time in order to be restored and refreshed because, again, gleaning, it's farming. Like It is a difficult task. It is a difficult job to take. And so he invites her to dinner. He's, as the young kids say, he's shooting his shot. With, he's inviting her in. So she sat beside the reapers. That Those are the workers. That's not like some kind of horror term for some weird people. The reapers are his employees. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. Now, is it wrong for me to say bread is the way to a woman's heart? I mean, like, I know my wife will say amen to that. Um, and so, like, not only is Boaz a strong man, but Boaz is a smart man as well, all right? So he's, he, he's just following into this. His goal isn't just for them to work and serve, but again, for them to be full and satisfied. And again, that's really, and I want you to see this kind of parallel throughout. This is much like God's people. Like, He doesn't want us just to work and serve Him. He wants us to be full and satisfied because He knows full and satisfied people are the greatest workers, especially in, in regard It's a kind of combination of, I want you to be eating and being full and satisfied while at the same time you are exhausting yourself and pouring yourself out and being other-minded. So I want you to take in as you spin out. You flow out, give to others. As you receive, give is kind of his mindset here. And so that's what's going on in this meal. To her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Now this reminds me very much of how God ascended to us, refers to his grace. This is where we have Christian lingo that my cup overflows. Is that we are receiving so much that we are fully satisfied in Christ alone that we then overflow with generosity and overflow with excitement, overflow with gratitude that what we've received, we want others to In 16, Jesus is and He says this, taking the the loaves and gave them to the disciples before the crowd and they ate and they all ate and were satisfied and what was left over was then picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces so again you get Jesus who are hungry who are needing lunch and he takes loaves and two fishes the little boy brings it to him, and he takes these five loaves, these two fishes, literally a, a, a Subway meal for a couple of people, and he then breaks it, dispersing it to the disciples, who then disperse it out. 
incredible miracle of Jesus providing for everyone. So much so. For, for this leftover food. And that's going to come back into play here in a minute as you'll see again this fullness begin to overflow into thinking other-mindedly. We'll come back to that. Verse 15. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So this is him now being more generous than just the command that's originally given to the godly people. Originally, the command is as the reapers come through, they're going to harvest the barley, they're going to chop it down, and then as they chop it down, they're going to have other reapers come through and begin to gather the bundles into eight to ten sheaves at a time, wrap them up, and then carry them off. Once they cut them, wrapped them up, and carried them off, then the impoverished or the vulnerable or the poor the marginalized will come through the fields hoping to gather anything that's just left over. They kind of like the crumbs at the bottom of the table. Like that's what they're kind of looking That's what she was doing all morning long up until midday. And so now what's happening is when she's leaving from this meal, he's inviting her to not just wait until the reapers are done harvesting, but to now join the reapers and harvest with them. And not only that, but even for them, to pull out some of from the bundles for her and leave clean. So he's essentially saying, as you get these bundles and you're wrapping them up, just set them off to the side so that as Ruth is coming through and working, she's able to grab these bundles and again, be satisfied not only in the meal that she just had, but also in the work day that she's really works in our lives. Because I actually love the way that they amplified by uh, handfuls are on purpose. This idea of handfuls on purpose. And I know for us, many times, as we're just walking, as we're walking through day to day, there's going to be moments where we just feel like we're getting exhausted. We're getting empty. And again, active faith, not passive faith. So we're, we're, we're diving into player, prayer. We're diving into the Word of God. We're diving into meditation. We're diving into fasting. We're diving into song and worship. We're diving into community. We're diving into all of these things that are active faith. And what the Lord is going to do is in those moments where we are diving, doing those things before us, He is just dropping handfuls of provision. The prayer work, reading the Word of God gets to our hearts and gets to our minds and it illuminates us and it drives us and it fuels us. And those moments where we're interacting with community and we need encouragement, he drops handfuls of purpose within front of us where people then encourage us when we're down and we're out. And this is how the Lord works, is that as we are pursuing, he is also providing in those moments. Again, passive faith, us sitting on a couch is not going to work. It's not going to work. It's an active faith where he is inviting us to see his work in front of us him. I love what it says in Colossians 1, 10 through 12. 
as to walk, again, active, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord that's fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Again, this is something that we're doing with joy, giving as He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He is the one who is providing this for you as you are, again, Christian life. As we are pursuing, we are abiding in the Lord. He is out here is that that Ruth has just found at Boaz's table at her task at hand. Like she's just gotten at a meal. But yet she's not only am I full and satisfied, but there is still work that needs to be done. And she doesn't forget rest in that moment, but taking that satisfaction, she working and toiling in order to continue to not only provide for what she needs, but as we'll see here in a moment, provide for Naomi as well. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, an ephah is important to know here because it comes back to Boaz being a type of Christ. All right, Boaz being the picture of God's provision in this story, and Ruth being the picture of the bride of Christ, the church. And so God providing for us what we need in our day-to-day work. As she is active faith pursuing, looking for favor here, again, it would be fantastic for those vulnerable and those marginalized to be able to work and to at least get a day's worth of wages a day's worth of a day's worth of harvest to be able to take for that day paycheck to paycheck if you will but what an ephah of barley is is two weeks wages two weeks worth of of what someone would typically work in order to receive from this and so we're seeing the generosity of what Boaz is providing and what he is having his reapers set to the side as she's coming through is is not only two weeks but it's to gather two weeks worth as well as his generosity to then provide two weeks worth and what i really kind of dove into this week of thinking and 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 i think some of us even brought out in our community group as we were discussing this is this idea of prayer and this idea of of what we need what god is going to provide and what is what does it mean from the lord and at the end of the day like we don't have because we don't ask I'm not trying to like go on that you know uh, bin of name it claim it. That's not what I'm talking about here. This isn't you know. Uh, man, yeah, I would love just to pray one day. Great. Let me just work one day and get. What we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is, is is God's provision for us is more abundant than what we need. So that we can be generous to others. But the reason why we don't have that is because we're either not pursuing the Lord for it, we're not asking the Lord for it, or, or, or we have stewarding of God's provision in our lives 
we've not come to a place to where we have matured to be able to steward it in a way that is generous towards others. And so this is one of those moments where we're seeing a, just a beautiful moment where you don't have because you here as she acts. She pursues. It's an active faith where she goes out going to found favor and the Lord is providing. And so for us, I, I, I in terms of give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. I think sometimes when we pray for daily pray for terms of what I need for me and my family. We need my and maybe my neighbors next to me. Or my co-workers next to me. Or my, or my friends. Or my enemies. We don't think about it in those regards. We don't pray that we can have the freedom to be generous that we're fully satisfied to give out. I love what Charles Spurgeon kind of breaks this down into a couple of things. Without works, is simply dead. If we're not working towards this, if we're not pursuing this, if we're not... Grace upon grace comes one day at a time. She's going out on this one day to pursue and to glean, and to work. is going to moment after moment, day after day, toiling in the Word of God, toiling in prayer, toiling in community. It's not always beautiful. It's not always when you pray, it's answered immediately. It's not always when you read, you understand immediately. It's not always when you dive into community that it's happening for you immediately. grace is stored up in our hearts. Like I, I just think about this. Ruth by herself gleaning is gathering up Ruth's work. Like it'd be easy for her to be able to start gleaning and, and, and bringing it in and dropping some here and there. But like every ear of barley, every grain, every possible thing that she is harvesting and she's making sure that it stays with her. That she doesn't lose any of it. And for me, this is this is we need to have a little bit more intentionality with our prayer. That when we pray, we don't forget what we prayed and we seek the Lord for the answers that He's providing for our prayers. Sometimes we just pray and we walk away from it and we don't think about it anymore. Or sometimes when we read, we read just for the sake of reading. We don't read for the sake of meditation. We don't read for the sake of, I want that verse to so get ingrained into my mind and my heart so that it transforms me. So I want to meditate on it. I read it this morning. A reminder at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Hey, remind me of this truth that I read this morning. And I want to revisit that truth again before I put my head down at night. And the next morning, I want to take that verse again and see what do I remember, what do I not remember. Maybe I can memorize it so that I don't have Siri remind me the, the next afternoon. Like we just want it to get so ingrained that we're not but that it's there to nourish our hearts, to nourish our souls.
30 to 50 pounds that she's throwing on her back and just walking home with. Mother-in-law gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. So she come home she comes home and approves. Mom is happy now, all right? Remember, we got Naomi, okay? Naomi means sweet and pleasant. That's why she left Israel in the first place. When she returns from Moab, she legally has her name. Means sweet and present. She's at the Lord. She believes that the Lord has brought calamity upon her family. And we're starting to see now that the truth that generosity is extending from so that we're starting to see a transformation in Naomi again. She's going from Mara back to Naomi. And we also see here that growing has children or grandchildren let them that is the grand, the children and grandchildren first learn to show godliness to their own households and some return to this is pleasing in the sight of God you might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that there's two things playing out here in scripture in proverbs we see that a godly person not only for their own needs but invest for the needs of their children's children so it's thinking through how can I walk in such a manner that is worthy of the Lord, that is gleaning for what we need on a daily basis, but also being able to take what we need above and beyond to being able to provide for my children and my children down the road. It's an investment. That is seeing what God has provided for you. And not only that, but as you are investing in your children and your children's children, as you're getting older, you also have parents that are going to then need help. They're going um, um, to need you to be able to care for them and take care of them. So not only do I need to think through how do I invest in such a way that I am providing for my children and my grandchildren, but I also need to make for my family and, and my parents and alive other minded full and satisfied so much so that you're back their children's children and doggy bags for your for your parents and their parents that's what the bible is calling they fight and be so working and intentional that really what, what begins to slowly fade is our needs and what comes into clarity are the needs of those around us for our household and for those outside of it. And so our mother-in-law, man, where, oh, where, I'm excited now. Where did you glean today? And so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said, may he be blessed. 
has not forsaken the living, the dead. We're seeing Naomi be able to refer to the Lord kind and providing kindness to her rather than. grace to her rather than grief. We're seeing this happen due to the gratitude and generosity of her daughter-in-law, Ruth, as she's bringing this back to her. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. We're not going to get into that today. That's going to be hit very hard over the coming weeks. He's one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. Just again telling her that he needed to be alongside the men reaping as they were harvesting the fields. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. It's interesting. Because in chapter one, what Ruth or what Naomi is trying to tell Ruth is go back to your people, go back to your way of life, go back to your religion, go back to uh, essentially the wrong life. At that time, when she was so embittered and when she was so focused in on her pain and her, and her failures, she could not see the welfare of her daughter in law. But rather was willing to over to serving who the Moabites served, which was the demon god Chemosh. I'm willing for you to go there because I just don't care anymore. And now we're seeing Naomi shift to a perspective of it's good for you to be with the young women of his company because they will but I also know that there are protections for them in the where they are assaulted. Now she cares for her life. Now she cares for her protection. Now she is being a nurturing. Get our own situations, but begin to look at the situations of others. Naomi is now starting to have minded perspective. And so she kept close to the young women of Boaz gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother, mother-in-law. What an invitation we see through this message, through this, really, what, what, what all, again, just kind of hinges around a meal of being full and satisfied, how this invites us into what we see at the union table, Lord's table. Because, again, this, Although we're seeing are a lot of physical, tangible needs being provided to an impoverished woman who, who has nothing. Yet we see spiritually a meal being provided for them that is so transforming that we now, in light of what we see accomplishing 2,000 years ago, they were looking forward to it, we're looking back on it, and we're seeing the one thing, the one thing that truly, truly provides for us the satisfaction that we need. Boaz providing for her is the typecast of Jesus providing himself as the bread of life. 
Boaz telling her to dip it in. Jesus telling us to dip your lives into my blood, which is ultimately going to cover everything that's causing you calamity and pain. Because it's going to be forgiveness of your sins. It's going to be the removal of pain. It's going to be the removal of in your life. It's going to be removal of all the things that you've ever done wrong, that you are doing wrong, that you will do. That is removing those things because Jesus himself, as this typecast of Boaz, is coming to us as the bread of life and saying, come to me those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I will give you satisfaction. It reminds me of what Jesus says in John 6, 25-35. When they found him on the other side of the sea, this is after he feeds those 5,000 people. Those 5,000 people are wanting to worship him. They've got questions. They want to about him. He jumps in the other side. And the disciples come to him and they find him. And they ask him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent. When we think work of God, this is how we believe. This is what faith looks like. This is what it means to feast on Jesus. That you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, give them bread from heaven. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall Never thirst. And I just think about it. It brings me to Ruth eating at this meal and being satisfied. And more physical bread. She's not see for more. She's. This is the invitation that we're. Seeing. Jesus is. Us. Hey, you know what? You can eat physical bread. You can drink the physical wine. Will begun, you will be hungry again. You will thirst again. It's temporary. What you need is eternal wine that nourishes the fully satisfied eternity. For eternity. And it reminds me again, a couple of chapters earlier in John 4, you, you really see kind of a New Testament depiction of Ruth, when you have the Samaritan outcast in society, and who comes to well at what time of day? Does anyone know? She's coming looking for water to draw at the well, someone who is an outcast.
outcast, someone who's a prostitute in this context, because she doesn't want anyone to harm her, kill her because of her promiscuity, choosing to do in life. And Jesus, Jesus comes to her at the and says, if you continue taking of this lifestyle, you will always thirst again. If you drink of the water that I provide, you will never thirst again. Gives her and she's so fired that does anyone know what the woman at the well does next? She runs to the city and begins telling others, you've got to drink of this water that is satisfying me. It even says that a great that day ran home to provide for Naomi the that was left over. When we come to Jesus and are full with the bread and full with the blood of who he is, it overflows to then the generosity towards others to where they then have the opportunity to become full and satisfied. And it's just a, a multiplying effect at that point. That's what we see in this passage. And that's what we celebrate when we come to the communion is what he says in 1 Corinthians 23-26. to you that the given this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, the meal was not meant to provide nourishment for them physically. It's meant to provide nourishment for them spiritually. You're remembering me when you do this. Remembering your first love, the command to the church in Ephesus. Remember your first love. Remember me. In the same way also, cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant, the removal of your sins in order for you to be invited into this relationship with Jesus. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We proclaim the sacrifice the Lord was willing to take, the work He was willing to do in order for us to be satisfied, in order for Him to bring home for us two weeks' work. That's what Jesus is doing here. And that's what we're seeing happen in this mealtime with Boaz and Ruth. It's so far greater than Boaz. Now, well done, Boaz. <laughs> he's, he's leading out well. He's, he's throwing all of his marbles in to engage and, and exchange and, and pursue Ruth in this moment. But he's doing it in such a godly way, such an admirable and noble way. And Ruth, at the same time, oh man, how... Amazing is it for her to not only just receive this passively, but to then be able to move past that to be able to others and take it so that she can have so much that we can emulate from these two as we see them as the typecast of Jesus in our church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace upon grace.
we thank you for your provision. We thank you for the you lay out in front of us on purpose. That we pray for that strength that we need on a daily basis to be able to pursue, to be able to work out our faith, to be able to work our salvation, trembling, to be able to live out the already not yet. This is not earned. We don't you freely provide it to us. We receive it full and satisfied with gratitude, and we want to disperse it to as many as possible. So, Father, continue to build that within our minds and hearts that we don't have because we don't ask. May you provide for us and give to us. And as we receive, let us hold on to it and stir it up within our hearts and in our minds to be able to take it with us whenever we go so that it's not only nourishing those around us in need. And we just we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for offering your body as bread to us and offering your blood as wine for us to be able to partake of, to be able to forgive and to be cleaned and to be made righteous so that we will be full and satisfied. Thank you, Jesus, for your act of worship and laying your life down. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we come to this time of communion, underneath your chairs, there's a little bit of, there's a little wafer and juice that's packaged together. As you pull that out, this is a time for us to remember Jesus. And to know that again, this isn't this is not going to do anything for you physically. All right, you're going to need to go eat lunch afterwards. Is what I'm saying. But what this is doing is this is filling you up spiritually. It's nourishing your soul. It's providing restoration and refreshment and fuel for your soul. So that when we remember Jesus and what He did, we're satisfied. We're satisfied. So as Jesus invited us, those who eat of my flesh and those who drink of my blood will be full and satisfied. Let's remember Him now as we partake of communion and worship. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at